Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is October 17th of 2023 and um, this is Q&A number 166. This podcast is made for my Facebook virtual coaching group. This group started in August of 2020, so over three years now. I've helped over 300 members in 26 states and two international and um, it's been a really great group I didn't I didn't know when I started it um, how it would do if people would find value in it if I would enjoy it and I have to say I love it and it's it's just a full circle of being able to help people train their horses lessons clinics and then be able to watch their videos and review their videos and um and then also offer the q a uh where you could ask questions and we can have topics we talk about in addition to that in the group there's the mindset and skill challenges and also the members only where we i store 12 topics of video training videos and there's over about 250 of those now so um it's just turned out to be awesome and I plan to keep it going for many years ahead. As many of you know me, I started training horses uh, with my dream to train my own 1D barrel horses and then help others become the best they could be, just one horse and rider at a time. With my motto being ride with heart, to always put the horse first and always give 100% inside and outside of the arena. And that was how it all started in the 90s um, in Colorado for eight years and then the last 20 plus years, 23 years here in uh, Florida. So 30 some years now, I've been living this dream that I love and TLC has just brought me so much joy to be able to be a part of people's relationships with their horses and watch their progress and I've had clients that I've known for decades, and it's just been a, a fun um, a fun ride. So I just want to thank everybody that is a customer of mine, um, a client over the last 30 years. I really appreciate all of you. And um, I'd like to welcome some new members right now to the group, Cheyenne in Florida. And Alana is a, is a rejoin, and she joined for a year. About half of the clients in the group are uh, annual members and the others play by, pay by the month and either way is perfectly fun and fine. So um, today I want to go ahead and um, start with a story like I often do. And, um, you know, this weekend, um, I really do feel like I try to keep our group on a positive level at all times. Um you know, and, and I want you to always think positively that it could be your race any day. You know, as long, if you put in the work and you've got the horsepower, it can be anyone's win any day. You know, you just have to believe in yourself that way. And more than anything, you need to just enjoy the ride and go and, and chase your goals and dreams. Um, I got a, a contact from one of my longtime friends from Colorado this weekend and she reached out to tell me um, some sad news, unfortunately. Um, she's actually Dalton's godmother, and we used to 
go to all the barrel races together in Colorado. One of my closest friends in Colorado and um, we went to Martha Josie Clinic together, Keller Ellis Clinic together. We went to super shows, MBHA State. We went all over the place, regionals. Um, we went to every little jackpot all over Florida or all over Colorado in the mountains, in the plains. Um, we just had a lot of fun. We even took our family vacations together once uh, I had my son and she already had her little girl. It's about three years older than my son. She was and or she is. And um, anyway, she reached out to let me know her husband has been battling cancer and it's stage four melanoma and there's no cure. There's just treatments to try to keep him comfortable and maybe prolong things, but he may only have months to live. And so it was really hard to hear that. They're Christians, you know, so they, they know heaven's a better place, but it's just so hard to lose someone you love here on earth and also to watch them be in pain and there's nothing you can do to help them. So it just made me realize, you know, I mean, we all know how fragile life can be with the wars all over Ukraine and Israel and, and all that, that, you know, we have to really just live for today and, and keep God first and, and just really appreciate our family and our friends and our, our fur babies. And, and I guess just, you know, show love and light in everything that we do. And, um, you know, God has a plan for all of us and we all have our purpose and our life to live and, and, um, and our, you know, life is busy. I mean, it's October. It's the middle of October. This year has flown by. And um, I think we all get so busy sometimes, you know, just working, trying to make ends meet and taking care of our families and our animals and such. And it just flies by. So I just wanted to just, I guess, stop for a moment and say, you know, just make sure you're giving an extra hug or some extra love to those that are important in your life. So, um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the topic today, um, why I feel everybody should have a sport and how, I mean, have a coach and how every, everybody should have a sport too, but how every sport has a coach and, um, I need another cup of coffee. I think, um, every sport has a coach and why I think it's important for barrel racers to have a coach too. And I'm going to list several reasons. I think it's helpful. Um, I have several questions to answer and, um, and I'll do that as well. But I do, I definitely want you to think about is, you know, your, your support group. We only have two and a half months left before we're going into 2024. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that are positive and encouraging to you and believe in you and want you to win as much as you want to win. And just keep plugging along because those little things that you do every day, and I can tell you from experience, having a small business for 30 years, if you just do a little bit every day, you will be successful. You know, you just, it's just try and heart. Even if you don't feel like you have a lot of raw talent, or maybe you're just not a natural with timing or feel, I promise it get, you will get better. Just keep doing it. You'll improve, you'll improve, you'll improve. So that's kind of a controversial thing. A lot of people think, oh, you're either born with natural timing and feel you or you you can develop it and i can tell you from experience that yes there are naturals 
you just see people that are just naturally perfect timing with a horse. But, but, um, you know, it's like horse language is your second language, you know, it's just our first language, really. Um, they know when to draw a horse to them, when to drive them away, when to block them from what they're doing uh, on the ground or in the saddle. It's just natural for them to be a calm, confident leader for a horse. But I promise you, people can learn it too. It's something that that if you, like I said, do a little bit every day, you will succeed. So I, of course, it's um, Tuesday. Uh, videos started coming in over the weekend and I have probably about 45 videos to do. So I think I've done about half now because I did some Sunday and Monday. So I'll be working on a lot today and tomorrow as well. Um, and I have a clinic this weekend, but it's on a Sunday. So videos that come in will be delayed till Tuesday and Wednesday, just so you know. Um, we have WPRA finals for divisional tour in Jacksonville this weekend and a big super show there for a lot of our racers will be going to. And then, of course, we have our members all over the United States, too, which everybody always has something going on. State shows, district shows, super shows, rodeos. So it's always fun to see the videos come in. Um, let's see. So I'm going to go through the questions and let's see. First question, how to make a pre-run routine. So that's super individual based on the horse that you ride and also the way that you do things. Um, some people want to get to a barrel race one hour before. Some people want to get there two hours before. Some people, you know, like to go up and enter and check out the stakes and timers. And, and some people, um, you know, like to warm up their horse quiet and away from things. And you know, everybody has their own routine. So just start writing down a routine that works for you. I would do your routine for your horse like you would at home as far as your warm-up goes. And then going back to the trailer, that's a really good time when you're putting leg boots on or rubber bands to visualize your run, say a prayer for safety and a smooth run, um, and just kind of kind of get your visualization and your thoughts together of what your, you know, one or two things when you head down that alleyway are going to be. You know, it could be ride to my spots and drive with my legs or keep my hands low and forward or sit and talk to my horse or whatever. Um, but have one or two main things that you're thinking about. Obviously you want to be in the moment. Um, we're, I was talking to that about that last night in a lesson with a client, how when you go to a pro rodeo, you know, whenever you go to a new arena, you always feel like you're not as confident as a pin you've been to many times before. And the reason being is you don't know exactly what your horse is thinking. But when it's a pro rodeo, you know you got to be fast. So you just come flying down that alleyway and you just have to be ready for anything. You know, you have to be ready to find the first barrel. You have to be ready to bump them if they're not rating. You have to be ready to push them if they're wanting to turn that barrel a little too much. And you just have to be in the moment. And um, while you're running full blast, so you really can't overthink it. You just have to be like, all right, horse, you and I are a team. Let's get out there. Let's go for it. And, and um, I'll say win and you listen. And it kind of goes that like that. <laughs> so obviously that's why rodeoing is a seasoning process. You get your first year of going everywhere and getting good at it, you know, getting comfortable in the different pins. And then each year after you get more confident in that pin. Same as super shows. You see girls that go to the same super shows every single time, like PacWest and Ocala. 
And maybe in the beginning they don't do well, but then every single time they go, they get better, they get better, they get better. So it's just a matter of um, getting seasoned. And even when you switch districts, let's say you're running one district in MBHA and then you switch to another, where you're going to all new arenas. So it takes time to get your horse comfortable in those arenas. So it's just a process. And um, you just have to remember to uh, write in your journal. So that will help you remember how you did there the last time and what you need to do next time. Or watch your video. Go to the Coach Now app and watch your video. Um, Laura, uh, Laura and Pal just had a personal best at Trenton. And that's what she did. She went back and looked at her Coach Now video. <clears throat> read her notes, what she needs to work on. <coughs> Excuse me. And then um, was able to lay down a really good run. So so that was a good thing. So I think that's the main thing. Um, you know, just find something that works for you. Obviously, if you have a hot horse, you're going to have a slow, quiet warm-up. You have a lazy horse, you might have a little bit more upbeat warm-up where you do more long trotting or big loping circles. You know, that hot horse, you might just walk and jog circles, small circles and, you know, stop and roll back and things like that. Maybe do the, you know, counter bending drill, you know, lateral counter vertical, the three circle drill, things like that. So, or the up down drill, <coughs> things to get your horse paying attention to your body. Those would be good. Okay. So next question. Um, and you can modify your pre-run routine too, based on. Um, how things are going so uh, next question was bit to train in bit to compete in is that important well you have to again know your horse um, Briscoe 15 years the beetle hack was her trail riding bit her slow work bend and flex bridle and also her competition bridle the only thing that changed were her reins I'd use split reins for slow work and trail rides and I'd use short reins for competition. So um, so I just had, that was how Briscoe liked it. But for a lot of horses, I will have like a snaffle or a side pull <clears throat> and split reins. I do my slow work in and then I'll have a, you know, a competition bit, maybe a, a Jim Warner hack or a lifter bit or a combination bit, something like that for a competition. Um, you know, and then of course you have other horses that are kind of strong and rude and slow work and you put more bit on them and then put a lighter bit for competition and just try to trust them. So you, again, you just have to know your horse and then you may even have a bit for running indoors versus a bit for running outdoors. You know, if your horse is shutting down, you may want to go to an O-ring and then if your, your horse is running free, you might need a little, uh, bit with leverage. So you just kind of have to base it. Give a stiff horse, you want something, give them a little bend. If you have a, a really bendy horse, you want something that might, you know, help keep it a little bit more leverage, a little stiffened up. So, so definitely I do think it's good to have two bits that your horse likes. And there's hundreds of choices for bits. It can be overwhelming and confusing from the styles of bits to the mouthpieces, etc. But bits, bits just have to, there's no... Uh, when people say, what bit do I need? I would say a bit more knowledge. And really that just means that you need to know your horse. You have to find a bit that's comfortable for your horse. And then one that's comfortable for your hands and the way that you ride your style of riding. And once you find that, um, you will, you know, have, you could probably have 20 bits in your tack room and have five that are your go-tos. And, you know, and then you start selling off those other bits because they just collect in dust. 
So, um, so that's what I find over time, you know, so it's good to have a variety of bits. So from your lightest to something a little heavier, that way you have some options and then a couple different mouthpieces are good too. Um, my go-tos are obviously a two-piece uh, smooth and twist and then a three-piece dog bone. Occasionally, I'd find a horse that liked a chain or a small port. Um, but, you know, that's you could get very complicated now with all the different mouthpieces out there. Um, okay, so the next question, horse shopping. Several clients in the group were horse shopping, so I made a list for you of six things you want to do when you're horse shopping. And if you're not horse shopping, this is still good information to have because you might do it. First thing you want to do is write down a list of your price range you want to stay in, bloodlines you might be looking for, um, style of horse, a free runner, a push horse, um, you know, age, sex, height, <coughs> and really stick to it. If you If that horse doesn't flip that bill, don't go by color or anything, but some people only like mares or only like geldings. Some people are open to both. Some people really want something that's going to move them out of the 4D or the 3D into the 1D or 2D. So you're going to want to go for bloodlines that have been proven to be successful in our industry. <clears throat> Horses that used to have 80 speed index could win um, back in the Charmaine and, and uh, Scamper and Martha Josie days. But nowadays, I don't think you can win without a horse with 90 speed index or better. And not just the speed, but the mind to want to hunt, to rate and turn a barrel. You can't have something that just fast and has no desire to turn. Um, it needs to have both. It needs to be a free runner that also wants to rate and turn a barrel so bad they can taste it. Um, which requires a good mindset and an athletic horse. Um, a horse with a lot of try. A lot of heart so you can watch how a horse moves in a round pen i could ride a horse for a month and tell if they were going to be immediately a wendy horse there are some horses that are late bloomers so it's not really fair to say oh this horse won't make it because some horses just need time to figure things out um but as far as like you know you can sometimes feel that athletic natural ability to some horses and that smartness to just get something um, but those horses are far and few between. So definitely make a list and stick with it. Number two is always, always at your expense, unfortunately, get a PPE pre-purchase exam and get everything in writing. Make sure they have the paperwork for a bill of sale. You know, if you're going to get a um, PPE that, you know, you just give them a deposit and pay the balance after or something, or, or you can get a, you know, refund if the horse doesn't, pass the PPE to be able to be used for barrel racing as you had hoped, you know, because there's going to be so, too much maintenance or possibly break down too early in life or something. Um, so make sure that you've discussed all that uh, and make sure the horse's uh, papers are transferable, that you get a signed transfer paper for their uh, AQHA papers and such. Um, so the third thing is insurance. Uh, the first year I highly recommend buying $600 insurance policy um, that covers, you know, not loss of use or, or anything like that, but it definitely needs to cover uh, uh, mortality and medical. And what that will do for you is allow you to get diagnostics and treatment and covered because it can be very stressful for a new horse moving to a new place 
new herd, new routine. Um, and, you know, it's just better until you get to know them, you know, that you have everything covered. So insurance is important. Number four, um, when you go there, have a list of questions that you are going to ask them from their maintenance. Do they get injections? Do they need shoes? Any supplements? What's their diet? What kind of bit do they ride in during the week? Bit and competition. Um, you know, what's their routine during the week? What's their warm up? Um, what's their cues and competition? Uh, you know, no, ask tons of questions and literally write those questions down because the more you know, the better. And then try to keep that horse's life as much as possible the same when you bring them home. Don't, you know, change their diet. Don't change their routine. Um, you know, some horses are pastured all the time. Some are in the barn, you know, 12 hours out for 12. So try to keep their routines the same for less stress for them. Um, so all those things, that's number four, having a list with questions and keeping their routine the same. And then number five, I'm more than happy to help you from a trainer standpoint. If you send me photos of videos of the horses that you're more serious about, I don't want you to send me a hundred ads. I don't have time for that. But, and I really don't like horse sales because it's hard. In my opinion, it's guilty until proven innocent. And it's not that they're trying to lie to you or dis, or, um, you know, uh, lie to you or deceive you, but they're actually, um, sometimes they just don't know. So let's say you get a PPE and the vet sees lameness somewhere in their body or their legs. And he says, well, let's x-ray their back and they have kissing spine or um, they x-ray their hocks or stifles or ankles. And they find that there's, you know, OCDs on there, or bad arthritis, um, bone spurs, things like that. Uh, or they find that they have a tendon or a ligament issue. Maybe, maybe the owner didn't know because they've never had x-rays done. They've never had a flex test or a uh, lameness evaluation in the last six months or a year. But have if they have had other PPEs, please ask them to reveal what they found. Um, a lot of times a horse that's priced at 20 grand can drop real quick to about eight grand if they found bad things um, on their x-rays or evaluations. And like I said, it's not the owner necessarily lying to you. Maybe they just didn't know no better. Um, so, so it is, it's a grueling thing. You may have to try 10 to 15 horses until you find the right horse. Um, you also have to be realistic. If you want one that's winning now, you're going to pay more and you might have more maintenance and there might be some holes or issues you're going to have to deal with. Um, there's that risk of getting together. In my um, training notebook, there's a chapter on buying a horse and it, I list all of this stuff in there. So make sure you read. My training notebook has a chapter on buying a horse. Um, and then finally, um, but you can send me videos and photos on number five um, if you want a second opinion. But please do it when you, it's a horse you're pretty serious about. And I'll give you, you know, my standpoint if I think it'd be a good match for your horse or if I think it's a nice horse. And then number six, um, trust your gut. Um, because as we all know, we get attached to them and buying the horse is not the most expensive part of having a horse. It's paying for them every month for the next, you know, 20, 30 years of their lives. <clears throat> so, so keep that in mind as well, 10 to 20 or so, whatever age you buy them at. So, um, so those are things to keep in mind. The next question is why you need a journal, um, it is so important. If you think about school, 
school um, gives you tests and they grade you, you know, they give you grades every semester. Um, it's also important for your horse's diet, you know, logging what they eat or even just human diets. When you're trying to lose weight, you log what food you're eating. Um, you have, you get on the scale, you take your measurements. Um, you know, so school does tests and grades. When you're dieting, you do measuring and scales and food log. Uh, when you work out, you do what type of workout? Maybe it's strength or cardio, stretching. You cross train, right? And how many minutes you do your workout and stuff. So it helps you stay disciplined. It helps you have a idea of what's working or what's not. And then it also has you something to fall back on um, to help you remember. So, because our memories are short, you know, I can barely remember what I did last week, much less a year ago. So it's important to me to have a journal and refer to it, whether it's my calendar or my clients, I like to be able to look and read my notes and say, okay, you know, last time this is what happened. <clears throat> so I do think it's important um, that you keep one. You don't have to buy mine. Look, I am not tech savvy and I am not a fancy artist. I just kind of slap something together, put a cheap price on it so you have something to work on. But there's some really fancy ones out there and you can buy them, you know, $30, $40 if you really want to go all out and, um, and enjoy it a little bit more intense. There's some really cool ones out there. But I just made something that you could keep track of your horse records that I, I used in my horse trailer for, I don't know, the last 15 years keeping track of my horses. Um, it just convenient and it's small and you know I use one a year and I can just go back to that year and look up whatever I need to so so it's a good idea the number four um why is it important to cross train horses so with cross training horses um it makes a really solid overall overall rounded horse but cross training doesn't necessarily mean discipline it also means types of ground so I do think it's important that like you trail ride in grass um, I also think it's important you train in harder ground like clay or um, uh, deeper ground like sand. Um, if you think of sand, it's going to really work their muscles and their wind. But you have to be careful because you could actually hurt a tendon or ligament if you overdo it. So everything has to be done in, in caution. Um, but if you think about harder ground like clay or grass, that's going to be good for the hooves and then tendons and ligaments to get a little stronger. So cross-training in different ground is important. And cross-training your horse to do multiple events is good, like trail riding, uh, calm and relax. It gives them a change of scenery, but also keeps them in shape. And um, then maybe in the arena, you do some like little raining patterns or do some English riding. It's good to just change things up for your barrel horse. Number one, if they can't ever barrel race again, they or have another purpose in life. Um, but it's just, you know, a good thing to do. So the best drill to do for the next question, the best drill to do for a horse that anticipates um, on the barrel pattern. Me personally, I mix up straighter longer and in and outs. Um, you can also do circles and true turns. So um, again, it depends if you're anticipating going in, straighter longers is great. Um, in and outs is great if they're dropping their shoulders. Um, those drills would be important. Now, if you're hitting barrels leaving, because um, they're really coming back on them too hard, you don't want to leave the barrels tight and do the snap out thing. 
you're going to want to maybe work perfect circles with a lot of nice flex around the barrel and kind of keep them a little more fluid and, and flexing and, and more freed up. And that one would be circles. I would just do multiple circles around that barrel with the bigger circle and just keep them shaped up nice. So that should help there. The next question, um, let's see, what causes a horse to go up the fence instead of turn first barrel? The main things that I've seen is you're in their face too much when you get to the turn. You don't give them enough arc, so positioning them. Um, also, you're not riding them correctly. You're not riding them with enough body, 80% body, 18% leg, and 2% hands. Uh, you're not using your body and your voice and bumping before you get to the barrel and waiting till you get there, and it scares them, especially if you get in their face, and you're mixing it up. 2% hand is so important that it's really light cues. All right. So the topic for today, I think that's all my questions. Um, oh, there's one more. Sorry. A push horse. How do you get them to run harder or free up? So if you have a push horse that's not wanting to free up or run for you, I like to sprint those horses weekly. I'll sprint them in an arena where it's safe. Um, if you're going to sprint in the pasture, just make sure you know the ground. There's no holes or uneven areas. I'll also do the wall-to-wall -wall drills, um, like rubber band or fence-to-fence -fence and rollbacks. Um, I would also know how to keep that horse uh, trained, you know, to free him up as well. You know, uh, kind of going past my barrels and just kind of keeping them moving, bigger circles. Um, I would also make sure that my horse and I are both fit, Um and I would try more fire from the alleyway and out of my turns and ride more aggressive there and see if that helped. So, okay. I think that's all my questions. Let's see. What is... Oh, wait. There's one more. What is trusting your horse? Okay. So, um, trusting your horse, there's two ways of communicating with your horse. Defense or offense. Defense would be trying to hold your horse off with your outside rein uh, so you don't hit a barrel or holding your horse back or over bumping their face for rate for fear that they're not going to slow down to turn a barrel. Offensive training would be to trust your training and preparation and let them work by just riding to your spots with your eyes, your voice, and your body 80% and backing it up with your uh, legs and your hands. Uh, the that last 18% with legs and 2% with your hands. And I would also, um, I would say that you're going in there with a positive attitude of, you know, I'll say go, they go, I'll say rate, they rate, I'll say turn, they turn, instead of um, I need to hold them off so they don't hit the barrel or I need to check them like crazy so they don't run off with me and going in there with a negative attitude. So that's that's how you trust your horse. You know, you go in there with an offensive, positive outlook. You've done your work. You guys are ready. You're going to do your job so that they can do their job. And that's the best way to control your emotions, too, is to um, is to make sure um, that you are just focused on your job. The more you just think about riding to your spots and being in the moment, you can take that deep breath and just... Uh, do your job, and you'll stay more relaxed. <clears throat> okay, so the top six things, 
or top six reasons you would want to have a coach for all athletes, whatever sport you're in, especially rodeo, and how they help. Number one, the coach has a good eye. They've been there, done that. So they've seen things and they can see things in your competition, in your training that you don't. So that's why sending your videos is important. So send one video a week. Some of you I haven't heard from in a long time. And others, no problem. They send videos all the time. Number two, discipline is important. Um, coaches will teach you to keep a schedule. Um, they know that success comes from doing something daily. It adds up by being consistent. So have a schedule, you know, that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to work out 30 minutes Monday through Friday. No matter what, I'm going to get my horse ridden every other day all week long. Um, you know, whether that's competition or training at home or going on a trail ride or in the arena pasture, whatever. But have a schedule that 30 minutes a day, no matter what, I'm on that horse or I'm, I'm working out, whatever. And um, I'm hauling to two events a month to keep my keep sharp. You know, some of you go once a week, but minimum twice a month to stay sharp. If you don't go regular, it's hard to improve. Um, number three, a coach can be encouraging. A coach should help you with your mental game by teaching you how to um, be positive, how to visualize. Um, your thoughts before your run should be focused and clear and um, that's why the journaling and stuff is all important. The coach can really help you there. And then number four, accountability. A coach can help you with being accountable. Did you practice? Did you enter? What changes did you make? What were you thinking before your run? What's working? What's not? So it, it, a coach is someone you can bounce your ideas off and help you realize, hey, you know what? You're right. I was thinking this this time. It did help. Or, you know what, I did go blank and I didn't focus and it messed me up. So, and then number five, um, a coach should be inspiring to you. You know, discipline is really important. It's hard to be motivated all the time. But hopefully my, uh, my me as a coach being consistent with you guys with these Q&As um, and the videos and all of that, it's inspirational enough to you that it motivates you to keep trying to not give up. And to think outside the box. That's important. And then finally, number six, and probably one of the most important things is experience. Um, you know, with the longer you do something, you've, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years, and thousands of horses and riders, of course, you're going to learn. And you're always learning. So the more experience someone has, it saves you from having to make those same mistakes when you're just, you know, starting out your first few years or whatever. Um, or even if you've been in it a long time and you just haven't had this style of horse before, you know, being able to work with a coach that might have, um, can help you. So those are the six main reasons I think it's important to have a coach. I don't think barrel racing has to be an individual sport in that sense. I think it does take a village. Um, people often feel barrel racing is kind of lonely in that sense that it's just you and your horse. But I love that it's just me and my horse. I love that time it's just me and my horse. I don't like to be on my phone or distracted. That time that I have with my horse, I want that time for connection and, and mental therapy for both of us. Um, you know, the more focused I am on my horse, the more connected I feel to my horse. Um, and that's how it should be for you as well. But then I do think it's important for you to reach outside of that and... Um, 
and talk to your coach about what you're feeling with your horse. And, um, and that's where I think a coach comes in handy. Um, ultimately, when you get out in that arena, it is you and your horse. But to have a game plan during the week and preparing for your next event, that's where the coach comes in for you. So, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and close there. I've been talking for over 30 minutes, almost 40. And um, I'm going to close with Proverbs 21, 31. Prepare the horse for battle, but the victory rests with the Lord. And I really truly believe that is um, all we can do. We can just prepare and then we just have to trust God and the rest. So, so number one, believe in your goals. Number two, see them as already happening, that they are happening, have happened, will happen, and um, and you will achieve them. Number three, never quit, be positive. And number four, realize that it's not easy, but it's definitely going to be worth it. So thank you for tuning in. As always, ride with heart and God bless.